Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's Christmas message is The Reference Point by Pastor Sean Wood. Now to quiet our hearts and to take a moment to honour you and to remember that Christmas is a joyous time filled with much hope. I pray that our hearts would be open for your word this morning in your wonderful name. Amen. And amen. Uh, if you'd like to follow me this morning in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 2. When I was in the forestry in Tasmania, we used to do some pruning. When you do planting, it's okay because it's easy to find where you're going because you'll see an open piece of land that's been cultivated. You know that's where you've got to go. But when you're pruning, we're talking mature trees, uh, often in and around a lot of other forestry coops. And so sometimes it can be difficult to find where you're going. Uh, One particular coop in Tasmania was a coop called Urana 2D. And uh, at the start of the season, I go around and I find all of my blocks and uh, find out where they are and have a look at the lay of the land. And Urana 2D was a block that had been cultivated inside of another coop. So you couldn't see it from the road. um, And in the wide world of wisdom, they decided we'll just make another one inside of one. And so I go around and I'm looking at all the maps and uh, it took me a whole day and I couldn't find where I was going. And I found all the other coops. Didn't take any time at all. Uh, Maps were easy to follow. I followed the maps. I had two maps for the one coop. Couldn't find where I was going at all. Finally, I remembered that in the back of the ute, I had a GPS unit. And so I got the maps out. I had a look at the GPS coordinates. And so I thought, I'll go off the GPS coordinates, right? I'll I'll find the reference point. And, And so I got the GPS out, followed my way. I ended up nowhere near forestry coops at all. And then one of the maps had a different GPS point. And so I followed that and lo and behold, here's a piece of tape on a tree and I walk in and I find this coop, Urana 2D. Once I found the reference point, I knew where I was going, right? Fast forward a couple of years and another crew's trying to prune Urana 2D. They end up ringing me up and saying, I've been driving around all day, I can't find this place. And I said, well, uh, you need to find the reference point. Fast forward about two months in front of that, my stepfather gets a phone call and says, you've got to go and fix this coop up, it's a mess. And so he rings me up and he says, I've been driving around all day trying to find this coop, where is it? And I said, well, you've got to find the reference point. He said, no, better still, he said, you get in the car, come down and show me where it is. <laughs> I said, okay. And then fast forward a couple of years, I'm not in the forestry anymore. Another contractor rings me up <laughs> and he says, listen, he says, I, I hear that you pruned Urana 2D. I said, yeah. He said, where is it? I said, ring forestry, they'll tell you. He said, I rang them, they don't know where it is. <laughs> and I said, you've got to find the right reference point. And uh, as we come around the Christmas season, I'm reminded that Christmas is actually when God gave us the right reference point, right? In a world that's struggling to define what love is, we don't have to look very far. We've been given a reference point for what love actually looks like. In a world that's struggling to find hope and joy, we've been given a reference point for hope and for joy and for many people that are saying, there's something inside of me. I'm trying to find a place. like that coop, you know, Urana 2D. We know it's there, but we're struggling to find it. And for those that say there's something on the inside, I'm struggling to find, we've been given a reference point 2,000 years ago. And today as we celebrate Christmas, uh, I would like to take a micro view of Christmas and have a look through the lens 
of some men that found the reference point and the impact that it had on them and what Matthew would like to tell us about the wise men. If you've got your Bibles and you've met me in Matthew chapter 2, I promise I've condensed my message down to 45 minutes to an hour, so for all of those that are waiting to open their presents, you'll get there. Uh, Interesting how this chapter starts, and uh, Matthew is the only one that records the Magi. Uh, no other gospel account gives us the account of the wise men or the magi and Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience and that's important for what Matthew wants us to know. There's three really important things Matthew wants us to know about the visitation of the magi. This is not some just some fable, some Sunday school story. In fact, if you could go through the Roman catacombs in the Holy Land, what you would find is that all the paintings in the Roman catacombs, over 85 of them have paintings depicting the wise men coming. To visit Christ. There's a couple of things we need to know uh, uh, for just for a case study in how we can sometimes insert our opinions and stuff and our customs into scripture. Uh, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, uh, if your nativity scene looks like the wise men are standing around the manger, that's not biblically correct. Uh, Jesus is almost two years of age, possibly, quite possibly two years of age. Uh, the other thing is Uh, If you like carols that say, uh, we three kings of the Orient, (laughs) these guys weren't kings. They they were magi. And and for all the nativity scenes that say there's definitely got to be three, well, what we know is there has to be two because the word magi is plural, but there could have been up to 2,000 in the train that had travelled from the east. We get the three because it was three gifts, but there could have been three different gifts from 2,000 people. Also, uh, there's strong historical evidence and biblical evidence that Mary never paid a cent to raise Jesus. You think about the amount of money and gifts that these guys have brought with them. When Jesus, throughout the life of Jesus, he speaks about treasure and hidden treasure, and there's strong evidence that he would have known that from his household, right? When Mary was hiding gold. We didn't have banks in the first century. You had to hide your treasures. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, sometime after, and it's Bethlehem of Judea for those that think it might be the different Bethlehem and Galilee, in the days of Herod the king, which dated at around about 4 BC. It's what I like about the Bible. It's what I love about the gospel accounts is uh, this isn't a fairy tale. You can actually look through history and line it up with people, places, times and events. The birth of Jesus happened in the days of Herod the king, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem. And who were the Magi? Uh, What we know is it's the same word that's used in Daniel to describe the wise men who are the trusted advisors to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so uh, these men came from the east. We still don't know exactly where that was. It could have been from Babylon. It could have been from Persia. It could have been from one of those places in the east. But what we know about the wise men is they, they were trusted advisors. They were interpreters of dreams. They were very learned and skilled men in in mathematics and others, but most importantly, in astronomy and in astrology, which is enormously important for what's about to happen, right? We all know about the star. This morning, uh, there's much conjecture about the star. Some have said it was a supernova, others said it was a comet. I found the answer, and I'm going to give it to you this morning before we go any further, exactly what the star was. Uh, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. What is the purpose of them coming? We'll see that in a moment. There is a purpose for Matthew telling us this. There is a purpose for the Magi coming to Jerusalem. But it's obvious that they're, 
they've had some knowledge of Christ, right? They've obviously heard something somewhere. There, there could be Babylonian magi that had well-versed in the prophecies of Daniel, right? Who spoke about the Son of Man that would be born. But we don't know for sure. Verse 2, saying, the Magi come to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? Here's the first thing that Matthew wants us to know. Matthew wants us to know that this baby is not just another baby. Uh, Matthew wants us to know that this baby is not merely another good teacher. He's not merely just a good prophet. He's not merely any of those things. In fact, this baby is the King of the Jews, the one that the prophecies foretell. He is the King. He is the Messiah. He's writing to Jews, remember, and he wants them to know that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the King. Just ponder for a moment this point in history when the glorious almighty God chose to clothe himself with all of our vulnerability and humanity. That the glorious Son of God would allow himself to be vulnerable to the point where he's got to be burnt and have his diaper changed and be raised. We, we know very little about the life of Jesus until he's 30. Very little is recorded anywhere about the life of Jesus until he enters the scene for ministry. Matthew wants us to know, and the message of Christmas is, we have a king. We have one who has been born and there was a moment in time when the Son of God became a man to enable men to become the sons of God. There was a moment in time when the divine, supernatural God stepped into our natural world to draw all men and women into his world. Wow. That's the message of Christmas. And if there is not some good news in that this morning. First thing Matthew wants us to know is that he has been born the king of the Jews. The second thing is, for we saw his star. I love this. Uh, for a moment, can we just ponder the Magi? Here we have guys that study the stars, right? And astronomy, particularly astrology, astrology is all about your life is guided by the stars. They would navigate their life according to the stars. They were looking for a reference point as well. And isn't it wonderful and glorious how God hangs a star and meets these guys right where they're at? Uh, What I love about the story of the Magi is what we learn and what Matthew wants us to know is that the God of the universe will wield his physical universe to make his son known that he may be worshipped. If you ever find yourself just like the Magi, maybe you've found yourself saying this throughout your life. Maybe you've said, you know what, it just so happened. Or coincidentally, this happened. There is no coincidence and there is no just so happened. It's God wielding the universe to make his son known. God hangs stars in people's lives today to get our attention, to draw men to the son. There is a theological term this morning which is called the effectual call of God. The effectual call of God means that there is a call of God upon the hearts of every man and woman drawing us to his son. And we see that fleshed out right here. Uh, what I love about Christmas also is it heralds the supernatural, right? If, if we live in a time today when we need a reference point for the supernatural, we've got people that are making covenants with the universe and, and doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things, calling it the supernatural, when God shows us what the supernatural looks like. The whole Christmas story is a supernatural story. 
a virgin gave birth to a son. That hasn't happened before, and it hasn't happened since. Reading past this this morning, maybe, maybe the biggest part of the Christmas story is how God wields his universe to take care of us, right? Read past the Magi story this morning and read about how Herod seeks the life of every baby under two, but God providentially and sovereignly takes care of his child takes him to Egypt for a period of time, then brings him back. And all through his young life, we see God taking care. And if God takes care of Jesus, we learn that he takes care of us. For we saw his star. And so uh, some people say, you know what, this was a supernova. Some people say it was a comet that, that guided them to Christ. Some say, you know, it was the aligning of the planets that these guys saw. But I can tell you what it was. I've worked it out. It was his star. It's a star that appeared for a period of time. It hasn't appeared again. Probably won't appear again. But it was a star that God hanged to guide the men from the east to Christ. I think it's glorious that God goes out of his way to reach people so distant. Uh, The catacombs in Rome, some of the paintings in Rome depict uh, this message that it was the Gentiles who first recognised who Jesus was and worshipped him for who he was. You see, we have men from the east, we have Magi, we have Babylonians, possibly Babylonians, running towards Christ. But what we will see is we have religious people from Jerusalem running away from him. Which one best describes you this Christmas? Second thing Matthew wants us to know is not only is he the king, but God will wield his physical universe to draw us into his world and to introduce us to his son, And the last thing is the purpose of the Magi and the purpose of our life. Are you looking for purpose this morning? The purpose of the Magi and the purpose of our life is the same. For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. The fact that kingly advisors from the east are coming to worship another king is profound. And in a moment, we're going to finish this story and we're going to have a look at what worship really looks like this morning because the Magi teach us what worship really looks like. But we're also going to see that Jesus also has the same impact as he has on Herod. This Herod. Verse 3, it says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Why was Herod troubled? Because this baby that was born a king, he's troubled because Jesus, he... He sees Jesus as a threat to his way of life. He sees Jesus as a threat to his crown. And for some today, Jesus is a threat. This king, this almighty... You see, often you can have conversations about God and people are comfortable to have conversations about God. But when you begin to have conversations about Jesus, people become uncomfortable. Why? This word troubled means an inward agitation. But why do people become inwardly agitated? Because Jesus demands the throne of our hearts and so he should. Herod was troubled because his way of life was under threat. And all Jerusalem with him, which is interesting. Everybody is inwardly agitated at the news that a king has been born. Herod will we'll read through the story and we'll come towards the end this morning. Verse 4, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them whether Christ was to be born. See how they know up here. They know all the knowledge. 
Well, we know, well, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. And this is recorded mostly in Micah. Chapter 5, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And from here, he ascertains what time the star appears. He works out how long their journey has taken and he will attack every baby under two years of age. That tells us that something near two years has taken place. Verse 18, he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until they came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 10, I love this verse. There's a lot of people this morning in our world that could do with listening to this verse, right? And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. One of the greatest things about the Christmas story is it's a reference point for joy. We live in a culture today where we have mistaken joy for happiness. We think that joy equals how much stuff we've got crammed in our garage, what size our house is, what position we have in our workplace, how many friends we have on Facebook. Note to self, the friends you have on Facebook may not be the true sense of a friend, but there's something deeper than superficial happiness. You see, all, all of the world's happiness is founded in their circumstances and perhaps what they have, but joy is founded in a person. And the good news about the joy that we find in Christ is nothing and nobody can ever take that away from you. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Why? Because they were about to be blessed. Why? Because they were about to get something. Why? No, because they were about to meet the king. Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasure, and relax this morning, we're not taking up a special Christmas offering, but what we do see is worship is about what we give. And that's more than money. It's about a heart. It's about, have a look at the response. When these guys see Jesus, they fall down and they worship. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And gold is very symbolic of, uh, of royalty and dignitary. And, and, and frankincense speaks of deity throughout the sacrifices. And myrrh heralds death and embalming and so maybe these gifts are somewhat prophetic about the life that this king would live and so this morning as we go our separate ways and you know family's a great thing barbecues are a great thing gifts and presents and and family particularly after what COVID took away from us right they're all really good and great things but Christmas the true meaning of Christmas was when God came into our world to give us a reference point and if you're here today and you're wondering what is the reference point for God, how can, how can I possibly understand who God is and what he is like and how I could meet him, Jesus is that reference point. Jesus is actually the only reference point for how you can know God. He's not one of the reference points. He's the only reference point. We currently live in a world and a culture that is reading all of the maps that they've written and it's no wonder they're lost, right? In a world that 
defines love in some very interesting ways today. Jesus came to give us a reference point for love. Love actually looks like giving. Love actually looks like I'm going to set myself aside for the betterment of somebody else. That's the reference point for love. You know, when we prepare to buy gifts, we have somebody in mind, right? And as we're buying gifts and wrapping gifts, we're thinking of perhaps their greatest needs. And for men in the room, it's another pair of underpants and, <laughs> and, and that new tie and, and all those other things that you desperately need. And, and we're trying to think of what is it that somebody deeply needs and what would bring them the greatest joy. And 2,000 years ago, God gave us exactly the same present with exactly the same intentions. What are our greatest needs and what would bring us the greatest joy? is a saviour, is a reference point, is a place where we can anchor our hope. Hope in the fact that there is a world that runs parallel to this world, but it's outside of this world. Jesus is our reference point for hope and for love and for joy. Jesus is our reference point for God. And you might be sitting here today thinking, how much does God really love me? Fast forward 33 years, or maybe 32, 31 years from this point, and this little baby that was born in a manger would hang upon a cross. And if you're wondering today, how much does God love me, then cast your eyes to the cross. What I love about Christmas is there is a hope that's outside of this world. And praise God for that, right? When you have a look at the six o'clock news, praise God, we have a hope that is outside of this world. And if anybody's done life for five minutes, and many of us in this room have done life for more than five minutes, but if anybody's done life for five minutes, you know, life can beat you up sometimes. Anybody else ever found that? We have a joy that sits outside of this life. There is a place today where we can find joy and our deepest needs, and it's in a person. You won't find it under a Christmas tree. You won't find it in a sock. And how does Santa get into a house in Queensland, right? There's no chimneys, so he must only visit Tasmania. (laughs) But you will find all of the hope and joy you're looking for wrapped in swaddling clothes and 2,000 years ago placed in a manger. And I pray that this Christmas everybody in this room would find their reference point. Let's pray. Jesus, we live in a world where once we were lost and so many people are lost and I pray today knowing that you hang stars, I pray that people will be looking and people will respond just like the Magi. They will abandon everything to come and worship the King. Father, I pray for those today that need hope and that need joy that is outside of this world. I pray that they would find Jesus. Or as the Bible would say, I pray they would be found of Jesus. Blessed be the wonderful name of Jesus. Jesus, today we honour you as King, we worship you as King, we declare you as King and we serve you as King. And so, Lord, we remember you today and as we go about our festivities, I pray for your blessings and you would keep us all safe. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. 
To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.